0: News Talk 580 CFRA presents The Employment Hour with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. And
1: we are here and ready to go. The phone lines are already open. Welcome to April. It's time to uh, get some employment knowledge. Here is the number, 613-521-TALK. That is for you to call in and ask us any question you would like. Lior is here, and armed with the knowledge, we talk about uh, severance, of course, your job, your boss, workplace rights, severance pay, anything under that uh, particularly wide banner and umbrella we are ready to tackle here this afternoon. A lot of stuff to get through on the show. We'll get to some of your emails and phone calls and reprisals Getting punished for standing up for your rights—we will get to that too. But first, as always, brother, the other week that was. What is happening on your end?
2: Well, John, this was the the first week uh, of April, and you know I, I know that spring officially starts in March, but for me, it really starts in April. March always is pretty pretty uh, dreary, especially here in Ottawa. So glad to be here for spring and to take calls and to answer employment law questions and to talk to people as much as many people as possible about their workplace rights. That's what we do here. If you haven't heard this show before, The Employment Hour, uh, the name of the game here is Your Rights. So if you want to know something about uh, uh, what uh, happens in the workplace if your boss does something, what rights you have, uh, can you lose your job, what does that mean, how much severance do you get, are you being mistreated, harassed, uh, is your overtime not being paid? And that and a million other questions, this is the time, this is the place, and please, 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 give us a a call because I don't want to just be helping you by talking to you and answering your questions. We'll be helping many other people listening to us as well. So don't be bashful. And of course, if you want to connect with me at any time off air, we'll give you that contact information throughout the show. But week there was where I always like to start a couple situations that came across my desk over the past uh, few days or so. Uh, First one, I got a call from an employee that uh, was working at a food processing uh, plant and uh, apparently this employer, the employer that uh, this person worked for, thought he was particularly savvy because he figured out a way to avoid worrying about things such as employment law, and, huh. or at least he thought. And the way he did that is he hired people through temporary agencies, and that's it. And people have worked for the plant for years and years, but they all worked through a temporary agency. They, they were all hired through a temporary agency. And he thought, well, I don't have employees anymore. I, I'm uh, I'm getting around the system, so I don't really have to worry about anything because they're not my employees. They're someone else's employees. And this person simply, well, he wasn't let go. He just wanted to call me because he had heard the show and he wanted to know, is this right? Does it mean now that we as employees don't really have too many rights because we don't work for this company? Of course, John, and hopefully our regular listeners know this, that's nonsense. It's utter, right. utter nonsense. It doesn't work that way. You can't avoid your obligations by pretending to hire someone through a uh, temporary agency. It's always substance over form. If you employ people, they come to work for your, your company, your plant, they do the job for you, tell them what to do, they, they finish it, they, they go home, they come back the next day, they are your employees. You can't avoid that reality by calling them temporary employees, especially when they've been working for you for a long time, in this case, they've been working there for years. So this employer is doing it wrong, and remember, John, if it was that easy to avoid employment law, Uh then everyone would be hired through temporary agencies, and then all of a sudden, hey, it's the Wild West. No, it does not work that way at all. So not only are these people uh, employees, especially this is important, if they're ever let go by the plant, they're owed severance. They're owed full severance. They don't get uh, get a discount because they're quote-unquote temporary employees. So I wanted to mention that here. If you're a, again, I, I, you don't see me doing this, but I'm doing the air quote sign. If you're a temporary employee, uh, give me a call if you're ever let go. Chances are you're a regular employee in the light, of, in, the, in the eyes of the law. And that means you have entitlements, you have rights, and you definitely get severance, John.
1: By the way, that uh, that reach out number mentioned one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Simply help at employmenthour.com. We'll get to more. Week that was, but always move on to the uh, the phones have top priority. It's a six one three five two one. Talk for you to call in now over this uh, over this hour. We'd love to talk to you. Get to Carol here. Carol is first up. Uh, good afternoon, Carol. How are you?
3: Oh hi, I'm fine. How are you?
1: Excellent. What's uh, what's your question?
3: So I was fired this week. I worked for a company for a little over nine and a half years, uh, a builder in uh, downtown. And um, I, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm baffled. But he he fired me over an email. Um, that I sent to a homeowner. I was an inspector. Uh, My job title was an inspector. I was a warranty manager. And I went out and did inspection in homes. Sure. And um, a homeowner uh, uh, emailed me and had asked me uh, to repair a defect, an exterior defect. And I said, originally, I had said, yes, I would. And then long story short, it turned out that it was uh, uh, Mother Nature. And I said, Um, You know, we will fix it as a goodwill gesture. She replied back in an email, uh, you know, had you have done this, blah, blah, blah. And I simply said to her in an email, uh, you know, uh, I'm doing this as a goodwill gesture. Um, A thank you would be nice. Well, She she was very, very angry with that um, and took it to the owner of the company. And the owner of the company, instead of coming to me and asking me my side of the story, he replied back, her email saying, uh, "Wheels are in motion." She will be fired today.
1: Oh, wow. wow! Really? That's sweet.
3: Right. So, <laughs> and, and and I'll tell you uh, briefly that um, I was with the company for nine and a half years as a. Uh, first, I started off as a coordinator, then I went to yep. assistant manager, then I went to manager. Uh, I've never been written up for anything. I've never had my hand slapped for anything. Right. I've never been disciplined for anything. He just fired me over an email without even telling me. Uh, I was in a meeting, and when I came back, I read the email, and the human resource manager hadn't even had time to come to me yet. I had to go to him and hmm. say, I'm, I understand that I'm being fired.
2: Now, Carol, I take it that uh, no severance whatsoever was paid.
3: They, you know what? They didn't even tell me. They just, I packed my, my desk okay. up and I was gone within wow. uh, 10 minutes.
2: So, Carol, obviously this is silly. Now, look if we were to look at this from the company's best case scenario, let's assume for argument's sake that that email wasn't appropriate. I, I don't think it was a big deal at all. But even if it wasn't, that does not mean, not even close, that they can let you go for cause. Not at all, it's not the type of misconduct. oh my God, it's so horrible, so terrible that they can be letting you go for cause. Therefore, this is a wrongful dismissal. In the eyes of the law, this is a without cause termination. Mm-hmm. This is not even close to being caused. I mean it's not even worth this, mentioning that word here because it's not even uh, on that level. So your own severance and your own significant severance, uh, Carol, now, I understand you've been there for nine years. I understand your role. Uh, how old are you, Carol?
3: I'm going to be 60 in July.
2: Well, you're owed as much as 12 months' pay, uh, Carol, uh, a year's pay. So the significant entitlements that you have, the bad news is that you're owed a lot, but the good news is, yeah, you're owed a lot and it's not gonna be difficult <laughs> to get that. Yeah. So what I want you to do, Carol, is I want you to connect with me as soon as you can off air. We'll give you the information in just a sec and let you and I sit down and, and discuss this. There's no way that that was legal. It's not even close uh, and th- this company, as soon as they obtain some legal advice, are going to be told exactly what I just told you is that, yes, you owe Carol some uh, 12 months pay.
3: Mm, wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you for your advice. Thanks, Carol, Neil.
1: appreciate you uh, calling in. It was probably the best phone call you'll make this weekend. unless right. You, right, you won, right unless you right. won the lottery, we don't know about. But uh, <laughs> but there you go. Uh, well, that number, by advice. the way. Thank yep. you. No worries. The number is uh 855 821 5900 Carol, again, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com. Get a hold of your... That's it. That's exactly why we do the show. Yep. You know what? I didn't like it. The wheels are in motion. I love that one from the boss.
2: Yeah. I don't know that I've heard that one before in the context yeah. of a, of a termination. Uh, and, yeah. but, but even though her scenario seems egregious and, and it is on, in, in many respects, it's actually not yeah. that unusual. I see right. variations of this every single day, uh, five days during the week and twice on weekends where people are let go supposedly for cause because maybe they did something, maybe sometimes they did do something wrong, but it's not even close to being cause. And remember, to be let go for cause, there's no such thing as almost there. It's either 100% cause because what you did is terrible or there isn't cause at all. So just like Carol, uh, if you're let go for cause, chances are that this is a wrongful dismissal. Chances are you're owed compensation. So if that happens, you know now what to do because you've been listening to the show. You reach out, you email, you call, and uh, let's deal with it.
1: And that is how we get the wheels in motion on this show. You want to call in, you can uh, do so. we got lots of time to talk to you, even if it's just for a, a question, something you've been wondering about your job or employment law in general. 613-521-TALK is the number. We'd love to talk to you now as we continue with the Employment Hour News Talk
0: 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer, Lior Samfiru. And we're right back at it. And uh, that means
1: you have time to call in, ask your questions as well. 613-521-TALK is the number. Help at employmenthour.com through email. We'll get to our chat about uh, reprisals here in just a minute. But I know you wanted to come to, uh, uh, rather cover something else when it comes to the week that was, pal. What do you got?
2: Yeah, and uh, it's another situation where I think there's some important lessons to be learned here by uh, all our listeners. So uh, I spoke with a gentleman who had worked uh, for for a long time, you know, over 20 years as a supervisor in a small uh, manufacturing facility. Uh, unfortunately, he had hurt his back uh, about a year ago, uh, just over a year ago, and and uh, he had to go some, through some intensive rehab. At one point, he couldn't literally walk because of his bad wow. back. Uh obviously, he'd been off work, but slowly and surely, he got better. Uh, and, and just very recently, uh, just at the end of this winter, he had uh, gotten better enough to be able to try to get back to work. He contacted his employer and his employer yep. said, yeah, sure, no, come back to work. But when he started back to work, he found out that, wait a second, he no longer had the supervisor role. And the company said, no, we just don't have that role. We had to fill that role. We, we, we're not going to fire someone. Uh, we have a different role for you on the, on the assembly line there. Uh, and uh, that, that's the only role we have. And they said, well, it's, you know, it's not our fault that something happened to you uh, and, and your back hurt. And we obviously want you back. We just don't have the supervisor role. And he called me and he wanted to know, what does that mean? I've been off for a couple of years, uh, or for just over a year, but, but I used to be a supervisor, now I'm not. Can this be and this is legal? Well, here's the thing. Uh, this company appears to be doing things, uh, for good reason. They're not trying to hurt this guy because he was off on a medical leave. They simply no. legitimately don't have uh, the, the old role for him. That's okay. But, but the fact that they changed his role, even though it wasn't their fault necessarily, is still a constructive dismissal. The fact that he was away and now he comes back to a different role does not change the fact that they don't have the legal right to change his job. So while this may not be a human rights violation, they're not picking on him because he was sick necessarily. It's still something that they they can't do and he has the right now to treat this as a termination and get his severance. So he'd been there for over 20 years. He could be owed as much as two years' pay and I'm gonna help him get that. And I wanted to bring this up here Because in some cases, the company is not necessarily going to be the bad guy when uh, when you come back from a medical leave, but you still have a right to your old job. And if you don't get that job, that's a constructive dismissal. The company can't hide behind the, hey, a lot of time has passed, what can we do? It's just the law. So if you're put in a different role, in this case, it's a lower role, it's not as senior, it's less paying. That is a constructive dismissal. Your employer can change your job in regular days, but also in situations when you come back from a medical leave. If they change
1: your job, you can treat that as a constructive dismissal. You can leave and get your severance. What should, before it got to this point, what should have or what could have the company done? Well, the reality is I don't know that the company could have done much. I mean, they could have given them the yeah. heads up,
2: but it wouldn't have changed the situation. I, I do believe that the company tried to see if they can fit him in as a supervisor. They didn't have that role, and that is their obligation. They can't yeah. simply say, well, too bad, we don't even want to look at you, try, we'll just give you some job and, and that's it. No, they have to make efforts to see if they can put you in your old role. They don't have the obligation to fire the person that they hired to replace you. But to the extent that there is still the ability to give you your old role, they should be trying to do that. If they can't, well, then uh, if the role that they give you is very different, that is a constructive dismissal. That doesn't change the reality. uh, And because of that, the company has to pay what it has to pay.
1: 613-521-TALK is the number to call in uh, now during this hour to ask your questions here with Lior on the air. We'd love to uh, get you on the air. Help at employmenthour.com. In the meantime, reprisals, and that is getting punished for standing up for your rights. When it comes to employment law specifically, what exactly is a reprisal?
2: So we all have a lot of rights when it comes to the workplace, and that's what we talk about on the show uh, every week. You know, We have right to overtime and vacation pay and, and severance, and we have the right to be treated with respect, not to be harassed. There's a long list of rights, but those rights are of no good to us if we don't have the ability to pursue them, to enforce them, right? A lot of employees are afraid that if they try to enforce their rights or stand up for their rights, they're going to get punished. So some people may, may not want to do that. Say, well, I, I believe I'm owed overtime, but if I ask for my employer, he's gonna get upset at me, he's gonna let me go, he's gonna punish me. Well, that's where a reprisal comes in. Reprisals, what it means is being punished for trying to stand up for your rights, and that is illegal. Huh. An employer does not have the right to punish you, to mistreat you, to let you go, uh, to, to do anything, really, because you're standing up for your rights. Uh, and that is key, because if you didn't have that protection, then your rights would be no good. If your employer could punish you for standing up for your rights, no one would stand up for their rights, and those rights would become meaningless. I want everyone to understand, the law takes that very seriously, and there's some heavy punishments for employers that, that try to uh, uh, penalize an employee only because they stood up for their rights in the workplace. If you're you have rights, if you're not sure if you want to ask questions or you want to enforce those rights, you should always be confident in knowing that your employer cannot do anything for you for standing up for them.
1: You know, you may be listening to the show this afternoon, going, "Man, it sounds like me," but I'm not sure if it's a reprisal. So, under in, in that vein, what are some common examples of a reprisal that you might be a victim of?
2: Well, uh, we've talked we've talked before on the show uh, about overtime many times, and you know, a lot of people. Uh, were surprised when I said that, yes, even if you're a, a salaried employee, you get yeah. overtime. And it's not just for hourly employees. So a lot of individuals uh, were say, wait a second, I want to enforce those rights because I understand now that I don't get overtime when I should be getting overtime. Well, a reprisal, for example, would be if your employer say, ah, well, you want overtime, then I'll show you. I'm going to uh, reduce your hours or I'm going to let you go or I'm going to find a way to get back at you somehow. That's a reprisal. Because if you have a right to overtime, then if you're asking the question, if you're demanding what the losses you should have, and because of that you get punished, no, no, no. That can't happen. That's a reprisal. And just by virtue of punishing you or threatening to punish you the employer is going to uh, be owed. Uh, the employer is going to have to pay damages and, and have other penalties imposed. So, you know, overtime is an example. Vacation pay is an, is an example. Uh, if you're a, in a situation where you didn't get your statutory holiday pay, the employer didn't calculate that correctly. and You're asking the question. You're demanding. Again, if you get punished, that's a reprisal. Oftentimes, happens in the context of workplace harassment. Uh, you, if you complain about workplace harassment, that's a huge one, John. And the employer responds by penalizing you. Gosh, that is probably one of the most egregious forms of, of uh, reprisal. That's also, by the way, a violation of, of a number of statutes. But you have a right to stand up for your rights, and anytime you do, those rights are protected. Your ability to pursue those rights are protected. Anything less than that is not acceptable.
1: Yeah, you did mention overtime there. You know, you think maybe you owed something or you didn't get paid for an entire shift. Say it was last night at work. What do you do? What are the first steps?
2: Well, the first step is you determine whether you're actually owed the overtime. Uh, but here's the thing. Even if you're not sure, uh, you have a right to ask the question, to uh, to demand it of your employer, to tell you, do you get it, do you not get it? You can always consult with me to find out if you're actually owed the overtime. But if you're actually owed the overtime, you, you can you have the right to ask for it. Now, some employers may not be happy about that. They say, well, I've been generous to you in the past, so how dare you ask me for overtime? nonsense. It does not work that way. If you're owed overtime, the company has to pay it. They can't rely on what they've done in the past. And you know that if you've asked for it, you have to get paid that. And if they don't pay, you have the right to pursue that. You can file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor. You can hire a lawyer like myself and your employer cannot do anything for you. You have this cocoon of protection around you that your employer won't do and cannot do anything to you to to penalize you.
1: We'll take a uh, short break here, get to some more calls and some emails and continue our chat on reprisals before we get to what they call the non-competition obligations. That's on the way as well in the show here. It is 613-521-TALK to call in and ask your questions for the remainder of the show. It is the Employment Hour on News Talk 580 CFRA.
0: Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. You bet you have still plenty of time for you to uh, call, ask your questions. It is
1: 613-521-TALK. Email, by the way, is help at employmenthour.com. And back to uh, some more of our discussion on reprisals. You know, um, can an employee be punished if it turns out something they asked or something they did turned out not to be true. I know we've used the um, example of harassment before. They they go in there complaining of harassment, investigation gets done, wasn't harassment. Can they get fired for that? Well,
2: you think about it this way, if uh, if I knew that the only way I'm not going to get punished is if it turns out that I'm right, most people would think, well, I'm not going to take that chance because what happens yeah. if, I'm, uh, if I'm wrong, then I will be punished, then I will be let go. It doesn't work that way. The whole point is this, you're protected from pursuing your rights, so even if it turns out that you were wrong, that you asked for something that you're not owed, you demanded something that you shouldn't be getting, you filed a claim against the company, let's say with the Ministry of Labor, and it turns out that you were wrong, you don't, you're don't not owed it, you are still protected and you can still not be punished. And, wow. and your, your example is probably uh, the best one, and that is with respect to workplace harassment. You may believe you've been harassed and uh, you file a complaint with a company. You tell them, you tell them to investigate. They investigate and they determine, you know what? We can't prove it. We can't substantiate it. They still cannot punish you in any way. You have a right to bring that issue to their attention. You have a right to ask them to do something about it. And even if they can't ultimately verify what you say, they're still prevented. Your employer is still prevented from punishing you, from pursuing this matter against you in any way shape, or form. So you don't have to be right. Maybe you've demanded overtime and it turns out, oh no, you don't qualify for overtime. Let's say you're an exempt position. Maybe you're a manager or maybe you you thought that you owed statutory holiday pay and you weren't. That's fine. Even if you're wrong, you still can make that demand. You still cannot be punished in any way for asking for
1: it. So at the end of the day, if, uh, if an employee feels that he or she has been punished for standing up for their legal rights, what should they do? Well then, uh, the first thing you do is I wanted you
2: to be as sure as you you can that you have those rights only because you don't want to uh, have a, a conflict if you know what I mean with the employer unless you're uh, you're convinced. So let's talk first of all. If you think my employer is not paying me my overtime, they're not giving me my vacation pay, or they're making me work too much, or they 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 owe me something let's let's talk shoot me an email call me let's talk about that and if in fact you are right then i'll tell you how to pursue it in some situations it could be as easy as shooting an email to your employer sending them an email saying here's what i'm owed other times you may have to go to hr and file something with them sometimes you may have to go externally through the ministry of labor etc but either way there's always ways to pursue what you're owed there's always ways to stand up for your rights in the workplace and that's the key here Your rights are your rights. They cannot be taken away, and you cannot be punished in any way. So always have the confidence to stand up for your workplace rights, always. You cannot be punished in any way, and if you are punished, if despite what I just said, your employer says, oh, gosh, uh, we think this person is not a team player, so we're going to let them go. You know what, John? There's going to be a lot of uh, significant repercussions that that employer is going to have to face, and expensive repercussions as well. So always know the law is on your side.
1: Still lots of time for you to uh, call in, ask your questions to or get some answers anyway. If, if something you've just been wondering for a long time, 613-521-TALK is the number. You can reach out through email. It is help at employmenthour.com before we move on to the uh, non-competition obligation. Let's uh, let's get to an email here. Danielle writes in says, I quit my job because my employer owed me $4,000 in holiday pay and vacation pay. He refused to pay it. I asked for payment many times, and he always promised that, well, he would pay, but he never did. Is there something that I can go do and get and to get what he owes me?" Interesting question uh, from Danielle. and
2: This uh-huh. is not a, a reprisal in the sense that Danielle wasn't punished for asking for what she was owed. The employer just didn't pay it. Well, obviously, if her employer pays it, uh, sorry, if her employer owes it, he has to pay it. So, Danielle, yes, of course you can get what you're owed, and it could be as simple as filing a claim with the Ministry of Labor or having me send a letter, and that should get you the, the vacation pay, the holiday pay, et cetera, that you are owed. But there's a more interesting situation here, and I don't know that Danielle realizes it. If Danielle quit her job because her employer refused to pay her what uh, it owed her, she's not resigning because she doesn't want to work there. She's resigning because of what her employer does. Well, we call that a constructive dismissal. So, Danielle, not only are you owed uh, obviously the $4,000 that the employer owes you, you're owed severance. If you quit because your employer refuses to comply with its legal obligations, that is a termination in the eyes of the law. That's not a resignation. So, you are owed severance. So, depending on Danielle's age and position and the length of her employment, she could be owed months and months of pay. So, Danielle, I want you to call me as soon as you can because this is not just about $4,000, this could be about $40,000 potentially. And for you out there listening as well, if you quit because your employer does something wrong or refuses to do something that it's supposed to be doing, that could be a constructive dismissal. That could be something that entitles you to compensation. So before you quit, before you say, that's it, I'm out of here, let's talk. And if you do end up quitting, still want to talk to you, may still be able to get your severance
1: easy to talk as well uh that's 18558215900 to call Lior and the rest of the team at the firm or help at employmenthour.com just as we line up uh, some calls here get to this uh, non- I've mentioned it now three times on the show non competition obligation when we talk about the non compete what do we actually mean
2: so non competition obligation is a term usually in an employment agreement that says that if you leave the company uh whether you quit or are let go you cannot work for a competitor for a certain period of time. Now, it's usually also going to say uh, for in, in what radius. In other words, you can't work for a competitor any, anywhere in Ottawa, anywhere in, ca- in Canada, anywhere in the world. So it's going to tell you the, the extent of that obligation in the, the time period. So for some people, a non-competition obligation could be a huge deal. If you think about it, if I've been working in a certain industry my entire career, uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the law industry. I'm in the law business. So if I were to be let go, if I can't work in the law industry for two years, that could be the end of my career right there. Oh, yeah. So a non-competition obligation could be a huge, huge deal, a huge problem. So what we want to do, we want to spend some time talking about what it means, what it does, is it enforceable, and what to
1: do if you have one. 613-521-TALK. That is the number to call in here on this live radio show on Saturday. We'll get to, uh, to Pasha. Thank you for for hanging on, Pasha. How are you?
4: I'm well, thank you. Uh, my question to Mr. Sami Khuru is, uh, he just said a few moments ago, some time ago, that we are protected by a cocoon of laws. I would like to know what protection there is in the law against malicious performance appraisals.
2: So, you're talking about a performance appraisal that's, that's nonsense, that's malicious, that's just uh, made up nope. and, and completely unreasonable. Is, is that what yeah. you mean? That's right. So, if you can establish, uh, this is very important. If you can establish that the, the performance, appra- you use the word malicious. That's a very good word to use. If you can establish that the performance review is, is malicious, that it completely ignores the facts, that it made up stuff, that itself can be a constructive dismissal. Just by giving you a performance review, that's so outrageous, that's so nonsensical, that clearly the employer is not dealing in good faith, that in and itself may allow you to say, you know what, because you've treated me this way, I don't have to continue working here. I can leave with my severance. So that's one thing to consider. The other thing, if you're not going to pursue that, if you're, no, no, I don't want to leave, even if I get severance, I want to try to stay there. That's fine. So what you do in that situation, Pasha, is... You have to put your views and your concerns in writing. So if you get this terrible performance review, you don't agree with it, you have to say so. You have to explain why, why it's incorrect, why it's unfair. You know, I didn't do this or you said I did that. Here's what you don't know. Here's what you didn't uh, consider. Put that in writing. Make it clear that you're not accepting it. If you simply don't say anything about it, if you just continue working and don't say anything, it's the same as saying, I agree. So if you don't agree, say so in writing. Make sure that they know that makes it much more difficult for them to rely on that down the road if they want to let you go. But if you actually get a malicious performance review, you may be able to leave right away with severance. Uh, Is that something that's happened to you, Pasha? It
4: has happened to some friends of mine, and uh, I've had to help them out. uh, So you
2: want to tell them if they get that, they may want to reach out to me. uh, and, And they can't sit on that, so they can't say, well, I got a bad... Uh, malicious review a year ago, so I'm going to deal with it now, it may be too late. But if it's something that happened recently, they can still deal with that, they can potentially treat that as a constructive dismissal, Pasha.
4: Actually, uh, this has happened to uh, friends of mine twice, and they have responded to that, I'll help them to respond to that in the manner, or at least somewhat in the manner that you suggested by rebutting that uh, bad performance appraisal but they continue to do that what they do is as you mentioned in your earlier shows they put them on a performance improvement program and every yes. three months they have a performance appraisal and then each time no matter what you do they will give you a bad performance appraisal and either one of them has been demoted, and uh, some of them have been dismissed
2: Well. So, Pasha, those friends of yours that have been dismissed need to call me immediately, not not next week, you know, not uh, after uh, the, the summer is over. They have to call me as soon as possible to discuss this. That's number one. And for those employees that are being mistreated, we may be able to get them out of there so they don't have to continue suffering with Severance. So either way, Pasha, you did the first step by calling the show. Take the second step, which is to get them to call me or to email me as soon as possible.
4: Yes, I will talk to them as soon as possible. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you, Pasha.
1: Appreciate that. And to reach out, again, I'll give it to you and pass it along to all your uh, your workmates, your chums there. It's help at employmenthour.com. Help at employmenthour.com. one 821 to reach the OR. still got some time for you to call in here to this here radio station. That is 613-521-TALK as the Employment Hour continues. News Talk 580 CFRA.
0: Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Leor Samfiru.
1: It's uh, 548. you still got some time. If you want to call in, now would be the time to do it to get your questions on. 613-521-TALK. You want to reach out through email. That's possible anytime, not just uh, during this hour. Help at employmenthour.com to get a hold of Leor and the rest of the team. If you haven't checked it out yet, just even for interest, rate, to find out how much you would really be owed, severancepaycalculator.com. Our topic, our chat, non-compete obligations, how often do you see them uh, in employment agreements? You know, I, I see them often. In
2: fact, I see them more often than I should. What I mean by that is, if you think about it, some positions, it doesn't really make sense to have a non-competition obligation. You know, if you're working in a manufacturing facility and, you know, you're you're a machine operator, should your employer care if you're going to work for another company? No, that's silly, but employers now are starting to to use these non-competition obligations just as a matter of course. So I see them very often, and, and for some people, that could be a huge problem. If you, you have a job, a skill, a knowledge, and in an industry that you work in, and if the company decides to let you go for whatever reason, now you have to not do that job or not work in that yeah. industry, it's a problem. So more often than not, if you're looking at an employment agreement, there's a good chance that in that document, there going to be, there's going to be a non-competition obligation. Just another reason why I always say, John, it's better not to have an employment agreement. It's better to work on a handshake because if you're working on a handshake, then you don't have a non-competition obligation, right?
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, much, much better for you, the employee, not to have an employment agreement. The non-competition obligation is just uh, an example of that. So they might be in there, but are they actually enforceable? Well, that's the real question. That's where, literally potentially where the money is. Are they enforceable? So here's the answer. In the vast majority of cases, 95% plus of the cases, they're not enforceable. Okay, The law does not like terms that prevent people from earning a living. So because a non-competition obligation really is, is, is something that prevents someone from earning a living... It's not enforceable in most cases and and it's not going to be something that the company can enforce. Uh, Now, it's usually going to be enforceable for the very senior executives, what we call fiduciaries, the executives, the vice presidents, uh, you know, those individuals. Uh, for them, it may be enforceable. But for most of us that are not executives, they're not enforceable. So you may think, okay, well, it's not enforceable. Good to know. Thank you, Lior. So I'm, I don't care about it. I know I have one, but I can just go work wherever I want. Not so fast. The reason the, or the fact that it's not enforceable does not mean that your employer is not going to try to enforce it. Your employer may well try to enforce it. And in doing that, they're going to take legal action against you. Now, you're ultimately going to win that legal action because I just told you it's not enforceable. But in the meantime, your experience is still going to be a bad one. You're going to have to spend a lot of money defending yourself. It's going to be a very, very miserable experience. So you want to avoid that. So my bottom line is this. If you sign a non-competition obligation, it's not enough to say not enforceable. You have to take it seriously. My rule is if you sign it, you have to live with it. Because if you don't care about it now, if you ignore it, you may pay for it later. So always take that seriously.
1: So having heard that, to anybody listening going, okay, I have a non-compete, not sure it was enforceable, I better not risk it, I better treat it as if it is regardless, but I want to leave the company and join another a job, a competitor. Do I have any options?
2: Well, the first thing you want to do if you're even considering doing that is you want yeah. to make sure that your new company knows about the non-compete because if there's ever legal action, they may be dragged into it. So they need to know about it. Uh, and they may say, you know what? We don't care. If there's a problem, we'll defend you. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of you. And that's okay. That, then you, at least you have the certainty of knowing that if your old company tries to go after you, you're not going to be fighting them alone. You have the backup of, of your new company. So always tell them that. But beyond that, if you're going to ignore a non, non-compete obligation, maybe it's enforceable. Maybe it's not enforceable. It's, it's a risky thing to do. And the best thing to do, frankly, is to be honest and open. Right. With your, uh, the company that you're leaving. Say, listen, I, I want to go work for this other company. I'm not going to steal your customers. I'm not going to divulge your secrets, but there's a good opportunity there and I want you not to give me a hard time. In many cases, if you approach a company like that, they'll be reasonable. Whereas if you simply were to ignore them and just do it anyway, they may get suspicious. They may get upset and then they may go off after you. So always a good idea to try to be honesty trying to be being, uh, being honest, as our mother used to always say, honesty is the best policy. It certainly applies when it comes to non-competition obligations. Uh, being honest, tell the, the company about it, and hopefully you can work out an arrangement where they won't stand in your way.
1: So from the perspective of company A, company A being the company that's about to lose an employee to a competitor, what can they do to protect themselves from that?
2: Well, first of all, uh, be reasonable with your non competes. Don't no point using that for every employee. If you use a non compete, uh, be reasonable with it. What I mean by it is don't say, well, you can't work in the industry anywhere in, in, in the world for five years. That's silly. That's never <laughs> going to be enforceable. So limit yeah. the time period, maybe six months, maybe within a certain radius. So you can't work somewhere within, you know, twenty kilometers of our offices for six right. months. Be reasonable. The more reasonable the employers, the more chances it is to be enforceable. The other advice is maybe we don't need a non-compete at all. Maybe we simply need what we call a non-solicitation obligation. Okay, Something that says that if you leave us employee, you're not going to go after our customers. You can go work anywhere you want. Even for our biggest competitor, you just can't go after our customers. Unlike non-com- non-competes, non-solicitations are usually enforceable. Okay, so that may be a much better option for the company to use. So be reasonable, use non-solicitations, and if you do use a non-compete, don't do it for five years. I wouldn't do anything for more than a year. Up to a year and within a a reasonable radius, you'll have more chances of it being enforceable.
1: Now, if we flip it over to the employee that's leaving and they do have a uh, non-solicitation agreement on their contract, that is null and void if the competition comes to you saying, hey, I heard this guy left, you're over here now, I want to come join you. That's okay. So
2: generally, yes, you're right. Generally, a non-solicitation has to do with who made the first move. Right. So if you're prevented from soliciting customers, soliciting clients, but they say, "Hey, we heard John that you've now uh, you, you're working yeah. there. We really like you. We want to take our business to you." Well, in that situation, you're not soliciting, right? They've came to you. They told you they want to work with you and bring their business with them. That's okay. The problem with that is your old employer may not know who made that first move. So make sure you document it. Make sure there's something there to show that you didn't go after them. They came after you. If you're not soliciting, usually you're good. But again, be careful. You don't want your old company to go after you. The the key here is to avoid lawsuits, to avoid legal action. Mm -hmm. If you can avoid it, much, much better.
1: We'll wrap it up with an email. Melissa writes in, says, I just found out that the chiropractor I work for is about to retire and close his practice in six months. I asked about severance, and uh, like a lot of doctors, had no idea what I was talking about. I've worked for him as a receptionist for 16 years. Uh, Doesn't give her age, but am I owed anything?
2: I can almost see the glazed look on the uh, chiropractor's face. Severance? <laughs> what, what, what are you talking huh? about? Happens very often with doctors, uh, doctors, chiropractors, dentists, etc. So let's be very clear because we're almost out of time here. You're owed severance. Uh, not even a question. Even if you're working for a small uh, doctor, or a small company, a small employer, you're owed severance. Now, in this situation, that six months notice that she got, she, she got, does count towards her severance. Right. So, she was told in writing that six months from now you're out of a job because I'm retiring. I'm, I'm I'm closing the clinic. That counts towards your severance. But she's probably owed more than a year's severance. So, if she got six months, she's owed another six months' pay. So yes, definitely your own severance. It doesn't matter if your employer realizes it. They may think that they don't. There's a misconception that severance is only paid by big companies. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Small companies all the time they have to pay severance just as much as the big company. So please give me a call if that happens.
1: Good for another day, my friend, and you as well. If you want to reach out, help at employmenthour.com. Just that simple. The email, the uh, phone number, rather, 1 and always go to severancepaycalculator.com. As well, Till next time, next weekend, this has been the Employment Hour on News Talk
0: 580 CFRA. You've been listening to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Leor Samfiru. The Employment Hour airs every Saturday at 5, right here on News Talk 580 CFRA. The preceding program has been a paid presentation on News Talk 580 CFRA.